Good morning. Are you blessed? Praise the Lord. We want to have you open your bulletins. And at the front of your bulletin, we have the Virginia Construction Code. I was talking to Steve Gregory, and he said that, I said, why, Steve, these codes, minimum codes? And he said, well, it's because uh, they what, what they want to do is just to make sure you can make it through catastrophes. Uh, and so they just want to make it sure that you, if you have a fire, people can get out. It's not danger. Like I know when they did this building, our doors, I said, well, let's cut the door uh, in, the, in our children's wing. Let's cut the doors halfway so we can open them so that people can come. And they have, because we had that old Park Avenue, I said, no, you can't do that because they have a fire code, a fire rating. And <laughs> if you cut it, then it's going to have a space down there. You, you can't do that. Oh, okay. So they do have certain codes. And also, he gave me some pictures of a building, and I want to put that on the screen now. And on this building, I said, Steve, how do you build a building? Uh, from an engineer standpoint for his structure, and he said, well, first of all, you got to have these footings, and then we'll go from there to the basement walls, and then you put up these little poles in the middle, and, you, and that is going to hold the, I think they call it some type of uh, uh, beam. I don't know what kind of beam is that beam. It's a, it's a beam that kind of keeps things together, I guess. And then they put a, put a floor. Yeah, that's that beam right there. Then they put a floor, a <laughs> uh, subfloor. Then I think they throw the basement uh, floor down there. And they start putting a subfloor. And from there, they start putting the walls. From the walls, they put the, uh, the next level there. And then the attic stuff. And then the roof rafters go up there. And I said, wow, that's pretty cool. So uh, where are we on this plan? You can have all that, and still you don't want to live in that house, the house that you just saw. You don't want to live in it. Why not? doesn't have a roof on it. doesn't have any walls. doesn't have any electricity. No plumbing. No nothing. So we, we, are, we, we are at that stage now where we want to put some things in this thing. I think when you get to this, this stage, if I'm not my, I think I'm correct. Uh, they start calling electricians, and they start drilling holes in the beams and start putting all the wiring in and, and the outlets and all those type of things because you can't put up the drywall and all the insulation all that before you do that. And the plumbing, I know here, when uh, I found out, I said, well, I want a baptistry, a baptistry, and, and they said, well, where are you going to put it? I said, well, we're going to put it on the stage. They said, well, you got one week, and after that week, it's too late. And I said, well, can we dig a hole and put it low? No, you can't dig no holes now. It's too late to dig a hole because we already have the foundation there. And Steve told me that, you remember I said that uh, one of the scriptures we, we have is that, and that's one of the reviews here, is that when you, have a, uh, when you hear the word of God, you're supposed to uh, do what the word says. And it says if you do that, then you're like a man who digs deep, and he puts the foundation on a rock. Well, Steve said, that's called bedrock, and we don't do that now because it's too expensive. So what we do is 
we put a cement slab. And that's what we call a rock. And I said, oh, okay. Now, in this building, they couldn't put this baptistry lower, so that's why the stage is higher. It's, you know, people say, why is the stage so high? And why don't you stand on the stage? If I stand on the stage, I'll be too high. Uh, and so, but I didn't know that. I didn't know we were going to have a baptistry at first. Uh, I didn't think we could afford it. And so we said, well, let, let's do this thing because we've got to have a place for baptism. So anyway, he said, okay, now we have a baptistry right there. We can open these little doors. There's four doors there. We can open up and steps go right into our baptistry right there. Uh, but it has, it's sitting on the foundation there. It's not sitting uh, lower than the foundation. If we would have thought about it ahead of time, then we could have dug deeper for that portion of it. And then the stage could all have been this level. Uh, but, of course, we didn't think about that uh, because we had no plans to think of it because we didn't have the money to think of it. So that's why uh, it's like that. So anyway, those are some of the things that we are, we are going through as far as learning about building. And open your uh, bulletins. And I want, I've tried to put some of these things here for you to review and for you to have so you can teach somebody else because there's a lot of people who need the information that you're, you're getting. Uh, like what Angie Johnson went over, there's a lot of information that she went through that was very valuable. And like I said, we're going to have uh, for this Wednesday after Father's Day, this, uh, not this coming Wednesday, but the following Wednesday at 7 o'clock here, we're going to have a lawyer come in and talk to us about wills, living wills and all those type of things because we want to, again, expose everybody to all the different type of things that's available for us that we can be better stewards. So in review, right here we have uh, about the foundation. These are things I've gone over. Uh, number two, number three, four. Uh, number five is the title of our series, Be Wise, Act Wise Financially in the Kingdom of God because we want to be more shrewd than the world. Number seven, I'm called to be a faithful steward. The title of the message today is God is Calling for Faithful Stewards. He's calling for faithful stewards. Eight, do not store up for yourselves. And I said myself, uh, treasures in heaven, uh, on earth, but I want to store it in heaven. And I want to be on my guard against uh, greed because my life does not consist of the abundance of possessions that I might have. Number ten, I'm foolish if I store up treasures for myself. And the three words, if I'm not What's those three words? Rich towards God. And again, we taught on that last week is that uh, God doesn't care what you store up as long as you're rich towards him. That's the first thing which we'll start introducing some scripture today. And we went over how you can get your treasures from here to heaven. We, tried, we, we went over, over that, which is a gift to the poor, give to charity, give to the poor, give alms, the King James will say, but it's really given to the poor. We'll talk about a few more today. Let's go to our cornerstone scripture, Luke 16. If you open your Bibles there or you look on the screen, Luke 16, chapter 10, we'll start in, where we left off chapter 10, I mean verse 10, we'll start there. 
won't go back to verse 1. It says, he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. Now, that's very important because that's one of the laws of God. He who is faithful in a very little thing is also faithful in much. And he who is un- unrighteous, and that word unrighteous in, in Greek, it, is, it means without justice. That's what that word means, without justice. So that's why the King James would probably say, um, who is unjust in the little things is unjust in much. Unrighteous, the New American Standard would say, but it still means really dependable. As far as faithfulness and not dependable, if you are unfaithful. So it's very important for us not to uh, defraud people. And, and that's one of the meanings for that word. And Andrew talked about, talked about fraud this morning. Uh, we don't want to be uh, false. We don't, we don't want to be deceptive. We don't have deceit in being a steward. And that's what this whole Cornerstone Scriptures is about, was about the the manager or the steward who was deceptive, who was falsifying things, who was a, uh, he was doing fraudulent things. And we don't want to be that way towards God. Can you say amen to that? We really don't want to be that way to God. So what must we do in order to be faithful? So I, I, I was thinking, I said, well, God, if this is so important, then I need to know what you mean by faithfulness. What does he mean? If he says, he who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful in much, I want to know, what do you call faithfulness? I can't be a steward, you can't be a steward, if we don't know what God says faithful stewardship is all about. Because I can say, I've been faithful with with your finances, Lord. You can say, I've been faithful with mine too, Lord. But it doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter really what you say. It only matters what God has established as what he says faithfulness is. So that's what we have to find out. God, what do you mean when you say faithful? Because that's how we're going to be judged by what he says faithfulness is. Okay, so let's go and and look at Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 26. Let's go there. And we'll see a little bit of what, what he's talking about, about faithfulness. This is an account where um, he was, it, it, was, uh, it was the Old Testament, of course, and it was talking about Israel. And it, we'll start in verse 26. It says, For, the wicked, for wicked men are, are found among my people. They watch like fowlers and, and lying in wait. They set a trap. They catch men. Like a cage full of birds, so their houses are full of deceit. There's the word deceit again. Therefore, they have become great and rich. They are fat. They are chic. They also excel in deeds of wickedness. How do they excel in that? They do not plead the cause. What cause? The cause of the orphan. Even in the Old Testament, God had had laws for Israel that they had to look out for the ailing, they had to look out for uh, the orphan. They had, they, had, they had certain things they were supposed to do. 
over in the New Testament, we can do the same thing, go there, and we can see what God says. He wants us to look after the orphans, those who cannot look after themselves. If a person, if a child doesn't have a father, doesn't have a mother, he doesn't want these children on, on the dumpsters looking for food. He wants us to take care of them. That's what he wants. That's why, they, you know, we try to support ministers that, that they, they support orphans because that's what orphans, because that's what we want to do. He says that they may prosper. He wants the orphans to prosper. And they do not defend the rights of the poor. So we know that God wants us to defend the rights of the poor. And we're talking about a particular type of poor. We're talking about people who can't really fend for themselves. There are are people who who really can't look out for themselves. They'll find themselves in a situation where they just can't look out for themselves. And God says, help them. Another place, he will tell you that he is interested in us taking care of the widows, looking out for the widows. And, and, and we know that in the New Testament, we know also that if um, widow has a family, that they need to take the family to take care of the widow because uh, we're less than an infidel if we don't take care of our own. But then there are widows who don't have a family. So if they don't have a family, who's going to take care of the widows? Who's going to take care of those who can't take care of themselves? They're too old to work. They, they, they don't have anything. Who's going to take care of them? See, Faithfulness with, with his money is what he's calling us to. So he says that these are things that I want you to be doing. I want you to be looking out for the poor. I want you to be looking out for the orphan. I want you to be looking out for the widow. I, I want you to be doing these things because they are very important to me. That's what God is saying. And that's all the way through the Bible. All the way through the Bible. Let's go to Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Jesus is uh, he's very concerned about our motives and our attitudes about the use of money. And he, he takes notice of it. He really takes notice of it. You say, well, I don't know whether that's true or not. I know he knows everything, but I don't think he takes notice of all that. It's a very little thing. Money is, to God, very little thing. But he takes big notice of it. Big notice of it. Now, why? It's because it's his. Is it, am I true? Is it his money? Are we his? Is everybody his? In the whole world? Okay. We went through that last, last week. Let's look at verse 41. We'll go 41 through 44. This is a scripture that fits in with he wants us to be faithful. And he's, he's concerned about it. And he sat down opposite the treasury. Why were you sitting down beside the treasury? Why are you sitting in the midst of the, where the congregation meets, where they're going to uh, uh, put in money in, in the little treasure places they said it was, it was like little trumpet, uh, in the shape of little trumpet things, and, and, and they have some with uh, maybe a temple tax, maybe some said to the poor, some said other different things. But he, he was sitting there. He was watching. Why would a person do that? You would think he would have something better to do than to sit and watch somebody 
give money. Because, see, he's spiritual, right? Everybody knows that Jesus is spiritual, right? Why is he sitting, watching us and what we do with the money? Right, because he wants faithfulness, doesn't he? And he's getting ready to teach us why it's so important to him. And he's going to teach his disciples because he's getting ready to leave his disciples. And in about a week there, he's getting ready to leave his disciples. And he's going to say, okay, now you have charge. And he's trying to let them know, this is important to me. This is important. So he's sitting there. And he began observing how the people were putting money into the treasury. And many rich people were putting in large sums. And that excites people, you know, who receiving large sums. Large sums. Verse 42. A poor widow came. A poor widow. Now, mine say a poor widow, but it's really talking about a unique one widow. One person comes. This is a poor woman. Widow. She's helpless. She's dependent. She's dependent on the arms of people. She's like a beggar. She's a, she can't take care of herself. She is poor. There's another type of poor uh, that's by another name. That type of poor is someone who can take care of themselves. They live, they, they're like from hand to mouth. You, you hear people say hand to mouth. They, 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 they can make their living, but just, that's all. They don't have nothing left over. That's it. They, they're just barely able to make it. That's one type of pool. This widow was not that type of pool. This widow was a widow that the only way she could eat is somebody gave her something to eat. The only way she could make it is somebody gave her something. She couldn't make it on her own. Okay? That's the type of widow she She came and put in two Small copper coins, which amount to a cent. You've read this many times. He calling his disciples to him. Let's, Let's go back to verse 42. There's one other thing here. Now I'm thinking, wouldn't you think if this person has two small copper coins, why not give one? She has two. Both of them don't, don't add up to nothing much, right? Can't do nothing with, with either. If you throw in two, two is not, not, not nothing different. But wouldn't you think if she would give one, at least she would give half of what she has, she can at least have half of it. What would we have done, you think? I think I would have thrown in one. Yeah. Because I, that I have one other. If, if I don't have anything else, I don't have nothing else. I got to go beg for something else. That's all I have. But she gave both of them, which is my about a cent. What do we do with the cents? Well, what do we do with pennies? Think about it. What do we do with pennies? Most people, most people, most people don't even want a penny. What can a penny buy? I mean, when I was little, they used to buy a lot. We don't buy nothing now. Nothing. I've I seen uh, uh, young kids, teenagers in particular, uh, this is even not in daytime, this was years ago, they would just flick pen- pennies. They don't care nothing about a penny. 
If, if you give them change as a penny, you keep it. I don't want it. A penny is very important <laughs> in, in this little woman. Uh, now, I would get them anyway. I would pick them up, and I will put them in my uh, they had a little humpty dump there. I'll pick it. Uh, I, I, picked, I put that thing in there. I did. I'll put it in there. Uh, I'm not proud. So, but anyway, the, the, here, here he calls his disciples to himself, verse 43, and he said to them, Truly, oh, he's getting their attention. Truly, I say to you, this poor widow, not just a widow, this 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 widow who can't take care of herself. She doesn't have anything except uh, what somebody gave her. This poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. Now, we have people putting in large amounts, large amounts. And you can think of people might put in thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars. They're throwing in, that in our account, thousands of dollars. For they all put in out of their surplus. Surplus. What's surplus? Extra, that which is not really needed. Is is what you have in abundance. You really don't need that. You have more than enough. So you put in that which after you have you say, Okay, I need this much for my bills, I have this much for my vacation, I have this much for my leisure time, I have this much for my recreation activities, I have this much here, and here's some left over. I'm going to give that, and it might be 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, might be 5,000, it could be whatever. It doesn't matter. He said that they were given out of their surplus. But she, out of her poverty, poverty, Poverty. That means she had a need for this. Put in all she owned. And then he, 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 he said something else. All she had to live on. And that makes a difference, doesn't it? That makes a difference. Now, he would have said the same thing for the rich if they would have put in all they had to live on. Wouldn't he? He would have said the same thing to them. He's not a respected person. So one one commentary said, Well, it seems that Jesus was not looking at what they gave, the amount they gave, but um, the amount they had left over. I said, Ooh. I would like to say it a different way. Because I know that I can say I gave out of my need. I can say that. I, I give out of my need. But the problem is that I can accumulate so much possessions that I need everything that I make. Come on. I was, I was talking to uh, the Mayor Lynchburg uh, one time. Uh, this has been years ago, Jimmy Bryan, he's deceased now. And he was saying, you know what? I said, what, Coach Bryan? Because he, he was a uh, you know, basketball coach at Glass in previous years. And he said, 
there are people at a country club that they are in the same situation that poor people are in. When he said that, I said, what do you mean? He said, poor people live up to their mean. I mean, he said, they don't have it. When they, when, they, when they spend everything, that's all they have. That's it. He said, in the country club, he was talking about one of the country clubs here in the city. He said, they live up to their means. Their means. And so, therefore, if they give, they can say, I'm giving out of my need. I need this. I'm giving out of my need. I need it. But really, God, in his stewardship plan, he doesn't look at it that way. He doesn't want us accumulating. You remember I gave a scripture last week that says that um, man's life doesn't consist of the abundant possessions that he has. God doesn't want us to accumulate all these things. They're nice things without being rich towards him. Because what will happen is that if we accumulate these things and then wait to give and say we're going to give to him what we have left over, what we don't need, that means that he's going to get shortchanged because you can't be rich towards him if we're being uh, rich towards the world. You can't serve both. That's another scripture. Okay? So I said, God, you, you, you. This is a pretty, pretty important thing here. So he said, you know, you be, want you to be very careful. First of all, I want you to do something different. That's okay. Let's go to First Kings chapter 17. Let's go there. Let's look at another situation that will kind of amplify this, what we were just talking about. It will amplify what he's saying here, 1 Kings 17, verse 9. Let's go there. Now, this is an account you've read it many times, I'm sure. You've heard many stories about it. I've said something about it also. And this is an account where it was a, fa- uh, a famine in the land. Elijah says it's not going to rain until, you know, I say so. And God provides for him. At the brook, then the brook dries up, and then he sends them over to a widow, Zarephath. Let's pick it up, verse 9. 1 Kings 17, verse 9. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sodom, and stay there. Behold, I have, is that future tense? Past tense. I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, now you can imagine what this widow is doing. This widow, God looks after the widows, and she's not in, in Israel. She's, she's if we say she's, she's not yet saved. Okay, so here's this widow. God sees her, and he says, I need to get my servant out of Ahab's territory here because he's going to look for him every which way. And if he finds him, he's going to kill him. So what, I'm going to get him out. So I'm going to send him up to Zarephath. I'm going to send him up there. Now I, I need to provide for him. Ah, he didn't, he didn't call for a rich person. 
Zarephath. He called for a widow. Why? Because anybody who God uses, he's going to turn around and bless them. That's, I mean, that's a principle. I mean, it's all the way through the, through the Bibles in the New Testament. When he used Peter's boat, what, is it, what did he do after that? He blessed him. He, he had something in the fish. You know, he, he said, Lord, don't you know? He has something. Anytime God's going to use you, he's going to bless you. So here's this widow. She's in need. So he says, okay, you're in need. I'm going to send my servant. And what I want you to do, I want you to provide for my servant. Okay. Now, that's, that's the way God does it. In all probability, he did not say, now, if you do what I ask you to do, I will provide for you too. Usually, you're going to have to trust God. <laughs> right? Okay. Verse 10, so he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks, and uh, he called to her and said, hey, please get me a little water in a jar that I may drink. Well, that sounds pretty good. Doesn't cost her anything, just a little time and energy. So she was going to get it. You know, when, when you can do something, you don't have any problems obeying God. You don't have any, any problems just doing something if you have the ability to do it, if it's not going to hurt you, not going to cost you a thing. Then <laughs> he touches something. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Oh, oh, please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. Now, he shouldn't have said that. Because then he was touching something that she had need of. But she said, as the, as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in a bowl, in the bowl, and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I'm gathering a few sticks that I may go in, prepare for me and my son, and that he may eat and, that we may eat and do what? Die. Sometimes we don't realize that what you have in your hand, even though you have need of it, if you give it to God, he will multiply Sometimes we think that if we give it to God, it's, it's gone. It's gone. What am I going to do now? God is never that way. Never that way. He, he's, he's never going to take a sacrifice from you without giving you something in return. He's just not like that. He's a giver. God is a giver. Everybody knows that. Is that correct? He's a giver. Then Elijah said to her, because he, 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 he could see it. He could, he could see the, the body language. He, he could see it. So he says, do not fear. Doesn't God tell us the same thing? Do not fear. Go. Do as you have said. What does she say? I'm going and make a, a cake 
I'm, I'm, go, I'm going and, and we're going to provide for, for ourselves. And then we're going to die. Go do as you said. Go hard on and make you, provide for yourself. Going to do that. But, but does, but does what? Nullifies what was just said. He said, but make me a little bread cake from it after you make yours and eat it. He didn't say that? What did he say? First, doesn't that tell you something about God? What does he want? After you use it all up and you don't have nothing else but a little bit of something, then you give it to God? Or does he want the first? Why does he want the first? He's a great king, great God. He deserves our best because he gives his best, doesn't he? Yes, okay. First, and here's another reason why it's first. Because it takes faith to give first. If you give first and you don't think you're going to have enough to live on and probably know you're not going to have enough to live on, it takes faith. Now you're going to have to trust God. That's what he wants anyway. You to trust him. That's all he wants. If we can just get ourselves in a position where we are totally dependent upon God, he always shows up. Always. I'm telling you. Afterwards, and afterwards, you may make, what does he mean afterwards? What does he mean afterwards? Come on. After you make me a little bread cake, bring it to me so I can eat, then afterwards, you go now, make yourself one. Now, that doesn't make sense, does it? Why doesn't it make sense? Why doesn't it make sense? She didn't have but a little. It was just enough for her and her son to eat a little morsel and die. And if she makes him one, you know it's not going to be enough to make her and her son nothing. Right? So that's what makes this a so, so, such a, a great Testimony of what he was talking about, about the widow woman that was thrown in the two uh, copper coins. It makes it so real right here because she knows she's going to die unless something happens. She's already eaten her last meal maybe yesterday because she's going to make one today and die. If I give it to the man of God, then I'm going to die. We die. We are dying. We are dead. This is it. Fasting won't last for so long. It's going to be over with. Then he gives her a prophetic word. Verse 14. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty, until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of of the earth. It'll take a miracle, won't it? Never happened probably to the woman that would have there, 
Probably never have. She probably never seen that. Do you know that God is saying the same thing to us in our financial situation? He says, do what I've asked you to do. Dig deep. Found your financial system, your financial house on the rock. And he guarantees you that he'll look after you. Do you know that widow woman, I guarantee you, you know you have to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I guarantee you that woman didn't, didn't go uh, without her needs being met. Why not? Because he's God. And she impressed him with her giving because she gave out of her poverty. That's why I know that. This widow woman gave out of her, the one in Zarephath, she gave out of her poverty. She didn't have anything else, nothing else that she had. I'm going to make you this cake. I'm going to do what you said. I don't know how this, i never seen no flour increase. i never seen no jar. You said that this, this bowl going to have flour in it until you send rain. You said this oil is going to have and it's going to be in this jar until. That means that I've never seen this before. We could say that about our finances, can't we? If he says that, if you are obedient to my word, that all the principles I've given you, you are going to make it, you will always have enough to eat. You always have enough to eat. You always have something to wear. You always have a place to live. Come on. He says that to us. Where has he said it? You remember the scripture? We read it. It's in Matthew. Also, you remember he says that take no thought of your life. What you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, right? He says, don't the birds of the air? Do, do, do they worry about what they're going to eat? Do they work? Why are you worried about something? You can't even increase. You can't even put out one hair on your head. You can't put out, turn out one light. You can't keep one. You can't do anything. You can't even do the least of these things. How are you going to worry about those things? Don't even worry about those things. I know you have need of those things. You seek you first the kingdom of God. His rights, all these things going to be added to you. He says that. He promises that, doesn't he? Why won't we trust God? Why won't we trust God? Why won't we step out in faith and say, God, here it is. I'm giving you the first. I'm giving you the best. I'm giving you the most. I'm going to be rich towards you, and I won't have enough. I don't know how I'm going to pay this. I don't know how I'm going to do this. But I know one thing. I'm being obedient to the financial system of the kingdom of God. I guarantee you, you'll never fail. Because if you don't do it, (laughs) <laughs> what we have is not going to be enough anyway. Come on. It's not going to be enough anyway. You don't, want, you don't want to stay in the state of living from hand to mouth and, and struggling. We don't want to stay that way, do we, as the body of Christ? Do we want to stay that way? We don't want to stay that way. The only way we're going to move beyond that is trust God. Suppose what the Bible said is going to come true and it's going to be catastrophes is going to come on this earth and we're going to have to start living by faith and it, it, if we'll hear 
during a time where uh, you're going to have to, if you have a market of beasts, you know, you can maybe buy and sell. But if you don't, you won't be able to buy and sell. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? If we're, if we're used to doing, if we're used to, I'm not going to follow what God says. I got to walk by sight. I can't walk by faith. I got to walk by what I see, what I feel, what I taste. I believe we better start practicing. What do you think? Because hasn't he told us that anyway? Yeah, he's told us that anyway. Verse 16. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. And all Elijah did is just spoke what God has already spoke. God already told her to provide for him. He had provisions for her. He has provisions for you. He has provisions for me. He already has provisions for him. All we have to do is just walk in faith. If we don't walk in faith, we are not going to please God. Do you hear me? We can't please God. It says it in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6, chapter 11, verse 6. says, without faith it is impossible to please God. So how are we going to ever... Please, God, if we don't walk by faith. How are we going to walk by faith if we don't put it on the line? First, best, and put it on the line. And what we'll say is that, well, in the, um, God wants us to be good stewards, so he doesn't want us to owe anybody anything, so therefore he wants us to um, pay uh, all these things we have, these abundance of things we have, and, and once we pay all that, we don't have any left, so be it, he understands, because at least we've been obedient to one scripture. That's not how the kingdom works. Not how the kingdom works. I'm trying to help you now. I, I know it sounds, I, I know it doesn't sound good. Yeah. It sounds like you're saying, wait a minute, you're saying don't pay my debts? No, no I'm not saying don't pay your debts, because we know a scripture that says, uh, they were asking Jesus, what shall we do? We're going to pay taxes? Well, Jesus is going to pay. He's going to do what he's supposed to do. So he said, well, okay, go go and uh, the first fish you take, get, you know, look in his mouth and get the corn and pay taxes because what Caesar gives Caesar. You remember that? What we most of the time miss is what he said. He said the first fish. So if it's the first fish, if there's a first, there's got to be what? Got to be a second. There's got to be more, right? So he, he's providing not only for him for the finances, he's going to provide for him to eat too. God's going to provide, people. He's going to provide. But somehow we're going to have to step out of, a, of this world system and start operating in God's kingdom system. I'm, I'm giving you all the best that I have because I'm giving you the word of God. I'm bringing in uh, people who, who help us in other areas, the word of God, though, has to stand, and that's what Angel first led with, if, is the word of God. I don't know whether you, you knew, Angel, that you, you dipped, dipped in my scripture, girl. You did Luke 16. Come on. I said, oh, Angel, does, oh, she got my scripture. You know? But anyway, that's good. The Holy Spirit, he's there. You're hearing. So anyway, that, that's, that's what I'm trying to encourage us in. I'm trying to, I'm, Matthew 25. Let's go there real quick. Matthew 25. 
in Matthew 25, verse 14. It says, For it is just like a man. It's talking about the kingdom now. The kingdom. Um, they asked him a question earlier about when it's going to come, all this kind of stuff. He says, It's just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own, his own slaves, his own servants, and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, to another he gave one, each according to his own ability. Then he went on his journey. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents in the same manner. The one who had two uh, gained two, but the one who received one went away, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves, or those servants, came and settled accounts with them. And we're talking about stewardship. We're talking about faithfulness. What does God look at as being faithful? We'll see another account of being faithfulness. The one who had received five talents came up and said, came up and, and brought the five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. Okay, so he got five more. Then the one who had Two, he came and said the same thing uh, that he received, two. And then the master said the same thing to the one who, who, who doubled his with five, same thing to the one who doubled his with two. He says that, well done, good and faithful servant or slave. You were faithful in a few things. What is faithfulness to God? Huh? Okay, let's look at the the last one and we'll see. And the one who had received the one talent came and said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man. I know you were reaping where you died, so gathering where you hadn't scattered. And I was afraid. I was was terrified. I went away and I hid your talent in the ground and see, here it is. Here's yours. Here it is. Go take it, man. He said, but his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money to the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who had ten talents. For everyone who has, more shall be given. And the one who, and he will have an abundance. But the one who does not have, even what he does have, shall be taken away from him. Now, you know that, that we've already gone through that, one who has. What's, what is faithfulness to God? What's faithfulness to God? In this account, what's faithfulness to God? We have to take what God gives us, and we have to increase it. We have to do something with it. Kingdom-wise, we have to do something with it. If we do nothing with it, nothing whatsoever with it. Kingdom-wise, we're being unfaithful or unfaithful steward. That's what we're being, unfaithful. And so I say, God, teach me to be uh, how to increase for you. Because now that they, they were doing business, of course, and, and doing transactions, those things. But he said, I've already told you some things. 
I've already told you, give to the poor. Those who give to the poor, it says in Scripture, lend to the Lord, and the Lord will repay him. It says, he who gives to the poor shall not lack. L-A-C-K. Shall not lack. Shall not. Shall not. When I saw that scripture, I said, I'm going to always give to the poor. Because he's, 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 he's promised me. If I give to the poor, I'm, I'm going to always have sufficient. Because I'm, I'm not. And if I don't lack anything, I'm not going to be able to need anything, am I not? So you have to take the kingdom rules and you have to say, God, you're making promises here so that I'll step out on faith. That's all he's doing. I told you to look out for the widow. I told you to look out for the orphan. I told you those things. That's what he said. Suppose we're in a situation that we don't have anything because we have, we, we've lived up to our means, you know, like Mel, the late Mel Brown was saying, and we don't have anything. Then you remember the scripture I read last week in, in Luke? It says, go, what's that next word that has started with an S at four letters? Go sell what you possess and do what? Give to the poor. In other words, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. You still got to give to the poor, so you start maneuvering. It's like this unjust steward. Oh, he starts thinking, how am I going to take care of myself? How am I going to make it? My master's going to put me out of stewardship. What am I going to do? I, he's wringing his hands. I don't know what. And then he's like, I know what I'm going to do. I'll go cancel some debts of these people who owe my master, and then they're going to receive me into their dwelling. And he says now, they're more shrewd than you are, than the sons of light. Now, I want you to go do the same thing because you can give to winning souls, right? That's in, that's in other part of Luke 16. You can give towards that, and, and that's going to help you. So giving to the to winning souls, giving to the poor, giving to orphans, giving to the widows, these are ways that we can increase God's Finances that he's given us stewardship over. That's how you can increase it. Okay? I'm just giving us a little something here. A little something. And then he says the same thing. If we go to uh, Luke 19, which we're not going to, he'll say the same thing. And they, they, he, gave, he gave them uh, Mina, each one of Mina, ten servants, and told them to uh, go do business until they come back. And all of them did very well, except that one who hid it. <laughs> he gave, put it in a handkerchief and hid it. And he said the same thing. I'm trying to explain to us, we have to, people, we have to. We have to step out on faith. We have to realize that God gives us financial means in order to uh, uh, do what kingdom people do. That's what all, all I'm trying to say. These are kingdom laws. Now, we know we're in a world system, don't we? And we know that the world system doesn't operate that way, does it? It doesn't operate that way. But that's okay. We are in the world, but we're not of the world. We're actually sojourners or aliens to the world system. So, therefore, 
we will use it, but not abuse it. We won't let it use us, and we won't let it use us either. We're not going to let the enemy use us. So all I'm doing is trying to help us financially. That's all I'm trying to do. Are you gaining anything from what we're talking about? Because I'm trying to teach all these scriptures I'm going through. You've heard them before. All I'm trying to do is to put them in the context of the, the spiritual laws that God has given us and throw in other things with it uh, so we any more steal our money. So Angie Johnson helped us there uh, because if, if when she told us uh, today, this morning, Angela, you told us, Angela said, if you put your money in the bank, you're the sole person on your account. You can have a million dollars in that bank. You can have what you want in there. But if you die and you don't have a beneficiary right there, if you don't have a will, it's going to venture to go to the what, Angela? State. S-T-A-T-E, state. How many want the state to get your money? Right? Which we know that if we, if we give the state God's money, he's not going to be very pleased because we know what the state going to do with it. We know they're going to do something ungodly to it. You know, they do some good thing, but they're going to do something ungodly too. We, we can't do that. So that's why we're having a person come in and talk to us about wills. So we'll, we'll have some understanding of these things. Okay. Let's stand. God is good. He's good. I, I, I know these are not popular messages. I know they're not. But only because we're in a world system that the enemy has already programmed, or he's tried to program us to not understand God's word. So before you ever, before you ever, it really gets deep down where you can start applying it. He already has a, it's like strongholds in our in our brain system that don't listen to that, don't listen to that. That's not true. Don't do that. You know, this makes sense over here. And this makes sense over here. Here's plenty of people doing this over here. People, I'm telling you, the word of God will not return void. It's not going to return void. It shall accomplish that which he pleased. It shall prosper into where he sent it. And he sent that word to help us financially. And all I'm trying to do is give it to us because uh, as far as me and my household, we're going to do this thing. We're going to do this thing. And you say, well, you're going to end up broke. Well, if I end up broke, that means God's broke, right? If I end up broke, that means God did not tell the truth. There's nobody in this place going to say God is a liar. Nobody in this place is going to say that. You know, if you do, uh, everybody move away. Move away from <laughs> Because I tell you, God is not a liar, okay? He is true, every word. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We praise you and we give you the glory for it. And, and Father, we want these messages. We want what uh, Andrew Johnson talked. We want what the lawyer is going to talk about wills. We want when we bring in an insurance person to, to tell us something. So we want information, Lord, so we can be a little bit more educated on being a good steward because we know what you're saying. We want the word of God. We want it. Don't water it down. We want the word of God because we know we're going to stand before you and have to answer so we thank you, Father, for an opportunity to hear that word. If there's anyone here that has not given your life to Jesus Christ, 
you can't be a good steward of something that you. How can you operate according to kingdom rules and you're not in the kingdom? If you're here and you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, would you raise your hand and put it back down? I, I, we'll, we'll close with prayer with, with you. Anyone here like that? Anyone? Anyone here that you say, well, I'd like to rededicate my life to Christ because if I, if I keep going like I'm going, I know I'm not serving him, even though I gave my life to him a long time ago. If that's you, raise your hand and put it back down. And I'll pray for you. Is anybody like that? Father, we thank you. And we're determined that the word we hear today, Father, they didn't fall on the wayside. We we have understanding. We know what you're trying to do, Lord. You're trying to help us. Just like you were trying to help Israel. They thought you you were trying to uh, give them a hardship. And they wanted to do just like the people that, that were in the culture around them. The Canaanites, the Hittites, they wanted to do like they did because it seemed, uh, it seemed wise and pleasant because it wasn't hard to do. It was easy to do. It was more uh, uh, sensual. It was more self-gratifying. So they didn't want to obey you. They paid the consequences. Father, we can look back on history and we say, oh, we're not doing that. These things are written for our example. We're not going to fall in the same uh, stuff they fell into, we're going to walk the word of God out. We're going to do it. Father, we ask you for grace. We ask you for mercy. Because we want our roots to be deep. We're going to weed our, our, our garden. And we want the, the fruitfulness to come 30, 60, 100 times as much as we sow. And we'll give you the glory. Everybody say Thank you again for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Our website is cornerstonelynchburg.com. You may call us at 434-847-4796. And our physical address is 525 Old Graves Mill Road in Lynchburg, Virginia.